You're listening to Tackling TB on ReachMD, developed in collaboration with Kaigen, offering Quantifiron TB Gold Plus, the modern solution for latent TB testing. Here's Dr. Scott Lindquist. Hello, my name is Scott Lindquist. I am the state epidemiologist for communicable disease and the deputy health officer in Washington State. And I have been in the tuberculosis world for about 20 years. And I'm here to talk to you today about risk-based TB screening. This is a nice new approach to eliminating tuberculosis in the United States, and it's really a primary care approach to TB elimination. And why primary care? Because CDC recommendations support that this approach to latent TB infection screening is most easily and most effectively achieved at the primary care level. This is based upon TB risk assessments as part of a standard workup. Now, I'm still a clinician. I work one day a week in a tribal clinic, and I really see the value of me as a primary care person being able to do a risk assessment for tuberculosis as part of a standard workup and then identify those who are patients with latent TB infection so that I can appropriately identify, triage, and treat these patients. Who should be tested? This assessment really shows us that a birth, travel, or residence in a country with an elevated TB rate for at least one month. The easiest way to find out what countries fit this are to go backwards on this. So it includes any country other than the United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, or a country in Western and Northern Europe. If resources are limited in your clinic, say you see a lot of folks that are refugees, immigrants, or from countries of outside of the United States, Canada, etc., you would prioritize those patients with at least one medical risk for progression. And I'll talk about what those medical risks are in a moment. The reasoning behind testing folks that were born outside of the U.S., Canada, and these others is really about the rate in non-U.S. born persons versus those in U.S. born persons. And we know that the rate of TB in U.S.-born cases is fairly low and has been decreasing since the early 1990s. And the same goes for non-U.S.-born rate, but it is really much higher. We're talking about 0.7 to about 15 per 100,000 higher. This is also seen in the number of cases. We have pretty constant number of uh, cases in non-U.S.-born folks, so much that in Washington state, about 80% of our TB cases are actually in foreign-born folks. Who should be tested? Immunosuppression, current or planned, this means folks with HIV infection. So when I said earlier, you would prioritize, if you had limited resources, those who had a medical risk factor, immunosuppression would be at the top of the list. Those who have HIV infection, those who are part of an organ transplant program, or are being treated with tumor necrosis factor alpha antagonist steroids or other immunosuppressing medications. The CDC really shows us who to prioritize, and priority is really given to those that will have increased risk of progression to active TB disease. And the list here includes HIV again, substance abuse, diabetes mellitus, and a, and a quick moment on this one. If we look at some of our recent data, about 16% of the folks with TB presented also had diabetes. So diabetes really, in this day and age, is becoming a big risk factor for disease progression. Other things like kidney disease, low body weight, cancers, immunosuppressions, anti-tumor necrosis alpha therapy, 
silicosis and organ transplants all are on this list. When we look at estimated HIV co-infection among persons reported with TB, this has been a decrease since the 1990s. Um, depending on what age group you look at, it's about 10% of all those infected with TB have HIV co-infection. This is really the reason why we need to be not only testing for TB, but getting an HIV test in anyone that we're testing for tuberculosis. Other persons who should be tested include those who are residents or employees in a congregate living facility. That is places like correctional facilities, homeless shelters, or long-term care facilities. TB cases amongst persons uh, residing in correctional facilities is also an interest for that risk factor. When we look at the numbers in people that are greater than 15 that have been in correctional facilities, really since the 90s, we see a case rate, percentage of total cases of TB that have been in correctional facilities at about 3%. This has been fairly constant through the 1990s and wh why this remains a risk factor for tuberculosis. Again, when we look at the numbers for homeless persons during the previous 12 months before their diagnosis with TB, about 4.5% of all the TB cases reported homelessness. Again, a very significant risk factor for progression or risk factor for exposure. The last category that is really in this assessment is who is a close contact to someone with infectious TB during their lifetime, meaning if we know of an active case, who around that person had it, or in the lifetime of your patient, were they ever exposed to tuberculosis? When we look at who should be tested over your lifetime, the highest risk age group is in those that are over 65. That, that's because these folks were exposed either in their country of origin or in the workforce or in a homeless shelter during their lifetime. And as their immune systems start to wane when they're 65 and older, that's why we're seeing our highest TB case rates in this age group. This is really our target to make sure that we're identifying these folks before they're 65 who've been infected with TB so that we can effectively treat them before they go on to actual cases. One of the things that complicates diagnosis of tuberculosis is BCG. And BCG is a common vaccine for persons that are born in these areas where there's high rates of TB outside the United States, outside of Canada, outside of uh, Europe, either Western or Northern Europe. And BCG is, is really a live mycobacterium bovis. It's not known to be super infectious, but it's a, effective, this vaccine, in preventing the complications in young kids. So we're talking about it won't stop you from getting pulmonary TB, but it will help prevent the more disseminated forms of TB in a country where there's a lot of endemic TB. Um, studies are variable. Some show good efficacy, some show no efficacy, and clearly with the amount of BCG that's given worldwide and our case rates of TB, it's not controlling TB, but again is probably really just preventing the complications in young kids. The WHO recommends that BCG be given to all kids born in highly endemic countries, though. Currently, there is no gold standard to determine if a person has LTBI. There are two classes of tests used for screening for LTBI, the first one being tuberculin skin test, the second being the interferon gamma release assays. This includes T-spot or quantiferon. 
None of these tests can distinguish between active or latent TB, and none of these tests should be used to monitor treatment to determine if uh, the treatment has been efficacious. When we talk about the skin test, we're talking about an indirect test for mycobacterium tuberculosis. It's done in vivo, essentially. This is a very old test. It's been developed over 100 years ago, and it really measures delayed hypersensitivity. It requires someone to be trained and experienced on how to place the amount of tuberculin under the skin. It's an intradermal injection of tuberculin purified protein, or why we call it the PPD. And then you evaluate this in two to three days. In our clinic, I, this is difficult to do because if I'm in clinic on Thursday, I can't place um, any TSTs in the clinic because no one will be around on Saturday or Sunday to read the test. The big limitation is, as we spoke before, is BCG. The skin test cross-reacts with BCG. Most of the antigens in BCG, depending on any of the handful that are the antigens, they all cross-react with the PPD, meaning that you get a false positive test and demonstrates that our specificity is as low as 59% uh, in BCG-vaccinated persons. That's not much better than flipping a coin to determine if the test was accurate. It also cross-reacts with non-tuberculous mycobacteria. So not only does it cross-react with BCG, it cross-reacts with a whole category of non-tuberculous mycobacteria. Other limitations of the skin test are the risk of improperly placing the PPD. There's a lot of subjectivity in reading this. The cutoffs are variable, meaning five millimeters for high risk, 10 for intermediate, and 15 for low risk folks. And that boosting effect can impact the result accuracy, meaning that the test can be um, negative on the first round and positive on the second round and get bigger with each subsequent injection. It also requires two visits, depending on the method used. If you're doing two tests, it's four patients. So this is really a limitation when you're working with a population that's um, hard to contact. The other method of testing, and my preferred method, is interferon gamma release assays. This is an in vitro blood test. They're much more specific and sensitive than the skin test for screening. Um, what the IGRA actually does is measures the secretion of interferon gamma and is a marker of cell-mediated immune response. Uh, what the test actually does is you harvest the T cells and you stimulate them in vitro with a specific antigen for TB. The nice thing about the interferon gamma release assays is they're measurable and they're stable and they should be negative because you should not have a reaction with interferon gamma release assays if you have not seen tuberculosis before. The beauty of the IGRAs are that they do not cross-react with the BCG. So in your foreign-born folks who have received BCG, especially since this is a large portion of our burden for latent TB infection, this is the ideal test because it's not going to cross-react with their BCG vaccine that they received in their home country. They do have minor cross-reactions with some of the non-tuberculous mycobacterium like Kansasii, Maranum, Sulgii. The rest of the environmentals, though, are not affected by the interferon gamma release assays. So when we really look at the TST versus the IGRA testing, we're comparing this modern blood test that's a single blood draw, it's unaffected by BCG, and the results are available from a single visit. It's an objective test, and the nice thing is that this can be an electronic result, and there's no hunting through charts for someone's old TST 
or having the results of a TSD be affected by a BCG vaccine or non-tuberculous mycobacterium. The Academy of Pediatrics looks at this new technology and really says for kids two years old and older, either a skin test or a NIGRA can be used. But a NIGRA is clearly preferred for those who have had a BCG vaccine or are less likely to return for a second visit for a TST. The CDC, as part of the immigration testing guidelines, as of October 1st, is no longer accepting the TST as one of the civil surgeon testing methods. These updated technical instructions now, since October 1st, really recognize the importance of IGRA testing in foreign-born populations. And the hope here is that by implementing IGRA, we're going to have many more true LTBIs being positive as they are identified through IGRAs rather than possibly a false positive TST. So, in summary, LTBI identification and treatment is critical to TB elimination efforts. Our goal in eliminating TB is really going to be recognized through not only treating active cases, but identifying latent TB infection, mainly through primary care and treating these to prevent these cases down the road. Primary care providers should be proactive in assessing the LTBI risk, testing patients that have one or more risk factors medically or exposure will help us hone down and target those for LTBI. Foreign-born patients, particularly those with medical risk factors, are really the highest priority and should be tested for latent TBI. IGRAs are currently preferred over skin tests, both by the Academy of Pediatrics and CDC, clearly when those persons have been vaccinated with BCG. IGRA testing, such as Quantiferon Plus or T-Spot, is more accurate and convenient than the TST. And with that, I thank you. The preceding program was developed in collaboration with Kaigen. To access other episodes in this series, visit reachmd.com slash tackling TB. This is ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge. Kaigen is the leading provider of sample to insight solutions, transforming patient samples into valuable clinical insights. Kaigen is proud to offer Quantifiron TB Gold Plus a highly accurate blood test to aid in the detection of tuberculosis infection. QFT Plus is the modern alternative to the tuberculin skin test, providing a controlled laboratory test that requires only a single patient visit and is unaffected by the common BCG vaccine. Find out more at www.quantifiron.com.